ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. If you're speaking to the sports fan listens to our show, those are the people that are going to the games that do care. It's embarrassing. Who would you replace them with? That's over my pay grade. Well, okay. so is firing them, but you didn't no, have no, any wait hesitation a minute, wait a with that. Steve carries himself with a lot of dignity, truth. Thank you for everything. He doesn't take days off. He's one of those guys that he's out there every game. There's a new type of broom out. It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> are you Googling this? Protect our radio talent. You two are ridiculous. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sebelia. All right, let's go to the phone lines. We'll bring on our, our first guest today. We're, we're now joined by Dalen Cuff uh, from the ACC Network. Uh, he's going to be in town tomorrow again uh, at Syracuse practice, making uh, him and EJ Manuel making their rounds of all the ACC uh, training camps uh, across the conference. Dalen, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, guys. Good to be on with you. It's Dallin, by the way. Just oh, Dallin. You know. I'm sorry. Alan with, Alan with the D. Yeah, I'm sorry. Starting off strong. All right. <laughs> uh, so, so take us through where you are to this point. Um, you know, with with your making the rounds around the uh, the other ACC camps across the conference. Uh, this will be our seventh stop. So we so we took care of the schools in the triangle. Um, Eric McLean and, and some other folks on our team did a great job with that. So down in Carolina, NC State, Duke, uh, Louisville. And I was just doing a little show in Pitt. I'm in the airport here. We'll be flying up to Q's here just just shortly. Um, and BC was yesterday. So it's it's been a, it's been great. I think the the coaches and the programs have been very open with their access. Uh, it's just, it's a great energy around these programs too because obviously last year was so different. And uh, I think I think there's like a newfound appreciation for a lot of a lot of programs right now to kind of have a, a sense of normalcy. I realize the variant is changing a lot of things, but right now teams are teams have are, are, are getting all their work in, they're getting all the reps in, they're getting all the film film sessions in, and they're not sitting there questioning: Are we going to have a season? Are we going to play? It's just you know focusing on football before the school year starts for a lot of these guys, and uh, it's just been a great vibe. It's been a lot of fun. All right, so along those lines, I mean, that was that was one of the the excuses slash reasons uh, given for for Syracuse's struggles last year. The fact that they had a new offensive coordinator, they had a new defensive coordinator, uh, they had a lot of injuries, they had a lot of opt outs, and and they finished one in ten. How, how much do you think that plays into a team's preparation for the season when they have new coordinators and they they can't practice like they they're used to practicing? It's, you know, we always say there are no, no excuses. You know, those are, that's written on shorts. It's written on shirts, um, but that's not necessarily the truth. Uh, the, the last year was pretty unique, and to have two new uh, DC and an OC um, come in, and particularly Tony White trying to run a different scheme, a very, a very different scheme from what they ran before, and obviously having guys opt out at the back of the defense, having different injury issues. That, that's real, guys. You're trying to install these things, and you, you just can't do it. I mean, there's a couple handful of spring practices, and then the summer was totally different. Um, it's, it's hard enough if it's just one coordinator coming in, but both and trying to trying to institute their vision. When anytime a new coach comes in, any sport you want to now, granted, Dino's still Dino's running it with with the vision overall, but with your unit and your group in football, you want to uh, uh, you know install what we're about from a foundational standpoint, from a value standpoint. How do you prove that you're you're going to get playing time? What do you have to do to to earn time? And and what we expect out of all our players, and beyond that, just a basic understanding of what we're going to do on both sides of the ball, and then that was really hampered. It really hindered. Now, granted, a lot of teams have everybody had to deal with the same situation. Theirs was unique in the fact that both coordinators is a different story. So I do expect them to be better. 
I think that has validity. Does it mean that they, they end up being 10-1 and one last year? No, absolutely not. But does it mean they probably win a couple more games or uh, are maybe a little more competitive in a few games? Yeah, I think it is. You know, and, and to that point, you look at the defensive side of the football. I think the offensive side, listen, Dino had a system in place and the system was very similar. But on the defensive side of the football, uh, they changed everything last year. They brought in a new D.C. They go to a 3-3-5. Uh, you know, guys were talking about how they were kind of learning on the fly on game day. Um, they were thinking. They weren't reacting. Thing. Um, how much does how much does that play into it? The the fact that you know when you're when you're at your best as an athlete, you're just reacting. You, you don't want to be thinking on the field. And and this group, I think, now that they're a year older, a year wiser, they've been in this system. That that's certainly going to benefit them. Yes, hundred percent. And they're bringing back. I think it's eighty two percent of the, the the production on the defensive side of the ball. So and that was a difficult scheme that Tony White's trying to install. And and, and guys are supposed to. You're absolutely right. You want to be able to as soon as you think in any sport, you're in real trouble. It has to be reaction. It has to be instinctive. And in football, you got to be flying around. You know your assignments, and you have to play loose and play downhill on both sides of the ball. And when you're out there thinking, you can't do that. And and that's that's going to be a huge difference. So to have you know in, in year two, but have also 82 percent of uh, of your production back is really important too. It's not just the coach being there again. It's the guys that he worked with, so they can look at their film from last year and truly understand what I need to do better, how I need to improve, what needs to change, how what our assignment should have been. And if, if it's only 50% of guys, that's different because you're still in the abstract. You're watching somebody else's mistake. It's a whole lot different when you're sitting in film and you know it's your mistake and you know the, mentally what you were thinking, how you were processing things and where you were pro- processing it improperly and how you, were, you weren't able to play a certain way. It's different when you're, you were watching yourself on tape. And I think a lot of guys will benefit from that uh, the full spring, the full summer and all those reps they're going to get, I do expect it to be significantly better on that side of the ball. Dalen Cuff from the ACC Network joining us here on uh, on Orange Nation. And, you know, when you when you look at the Syracuse football team, I think the, the biggest question everybody has, maybe outside of the offensive line, but from a positional standpoint, it's the quarterback position, right? It's it, Tommy DeVito, who's who's the incumbent. He's got the experience. You've got Garrett Schrader from the SEC and, and the transfer from Mississippi State. How do you think the quarterback position plays itself out? I, that's, I mean, I, it's not like they're going to, Dino's going to tell us here's who's going to start tomorrow, but I'm really intrigued to see how practice runs, how these guys operate, what they look like. Um, it, because it is, it, you, obviously, it's, it's not a quarterback league. I mean, it's a quarterback driven sport now. You've got a good quarterback that can change the game. You can win without one, but to win big is a whole different story. Um, and you want to have leadership from that spot, too. And to, leader, to lead, it helps to be, you know, you're the number one guy, but they gotta, somebody's got to go out there and earn it. Uh, Schrader's interesting, obviously, when it comes to Mississippi State, but last year he was a wide receiver. He moved away from the position, so now he's coming back in a quarterback competition. I mean, you talk to guys that, that, that become, and it happens more at the pro level, where you truly change from a, wider, from a quarterback to a wide receiver, and guys love playing with guys like that, that you're former quarterbacks, because they understand the game from a different perspective. They understand what, what, what you want out of a wide receiver. To now go back the other way, I wonder what he'll kind of take back into that role and what he took out of last year. Uh, but the bigger question beyond who's under center, you guys, you just touched on it. Who's, who's blocking? Like, they've got to take up and do a better job of keeping guys upright. I don't care who's behind them. You have to give them time to set their feet and throw the ball or if they're handing the ball off, you've got to open a hole every now and again. That, that offensive line um, has to improve. And those guys, that, that is going to be, really, we can talk about all these different things, but if they can't block again, it really doesn't matter who's behind them. As we look around the rest of the ACC, uh, Clemson, uh, you know, obviously the favorites again, ranked number two in the country. Um, is it a foregone conclusion this year, or do you think you know North Carolina might be able to sneak up on them and and maybe knock them off? Um, you know, maybe Miami. Do you, do you think it's a foregone conclusion this year that Clemson is, is going to win the conference? 
you can't really say that because I do think UNC is really good. Obviously, Sam Howell's uh, maybe the doubt. I think that that's really a good thing in this league. It's, we have so many quarterbacks coming back. I think the country will realize how good the quarterback play is in this league early on in the season. A lot of teams are playing uh, SEC opponents. You know, Pitt's playing Tennessee. Ole Miss, Louisville's playing Ole Miss. Obviously, Clemson's playing Georgia. Uh, there's about five or six different. NC State's got uh, Mississippi State. For the league's, for the league's perception, and college sports is the one, college football is the one sport where perception becomes reality. And perception can drive your ability to succeed and your ability to be ranked a certain way, which allows you to play in certain bowl games or allows you to get the CFT. So the perception of the league has to be bolstered by those early season games, particularly against the SEC. And if the league shows up, that's a huge that's a, that that is really much needed. That said, I think UNC um, is the is the class of the, of, their, of their division, um, and I do think they'll find their way out. I think it is a foregone conclusion that that um, Clemson gets to the championship game down in Charlotte. It's not a foregone conclusion they win because I do think Carolina and potentially Miami. We'll see if Derek King comes back from his knee injury. He's told us many times he's 100, percent but we'll see. If that's a little different when you're playing Alabama. You know, that first game of the season, coming off an ACL and only what seven or eight months recovery. Um, we'll see how he holds up. But those two, those two teams in particular, I think, have the ability to, maybe on any given night, it only takes one night in early December, if you can knock off Clemson, you could do it. But to get to that point is going to be really hard. I still do think UNC gets there. I know Miami, by some metrics, is favored, but I think UNC overall will be the team that, that plays Clemson down in Charlotte uh, for a chance to most likely go to CFP. Yeah, great stuff, uh, Dallin. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we do appreciate it. Enjoy your stay in Syracuse tomorrow. Looking forward to it, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks so much. Dalen Cuff from the ACC Network. We're going to move right along to our next uh, interview subject. We go right back to the guest line. Uh, As promised, we're joined now by SU offensive lineman Aaron Service, who just wrapped up practice. Aaron, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, sir? We are doing well. Uh, we're doing yeah. well. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, SU football coming off a 1-10 season. Are they going to be better? Um, you know, I, I know it's early in camp. It's only been, what, four or five practices. How are you guys feeling, though, heading into the new year? Feeling real good. Um, you know, we got the shoulder pads on. We're doing some hitting. It definitely feels good to be back on the field. You know, so we uh, we just had uh, Dalen Cuff on from the ACC Network, and we were talking to him about Syracuse, and he's pointing to the offensive line, and he said the success of this year, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, it, it it's dependent on on how well that offensive line produces, and you know, you you go back to the ten win season, you guys were healthy, it was pretty much the same offensive line starting week in and week out. You look at the last two years, there's been a lot of injuries, there's been a lot of shuffling in that unit. Uh, as as a unit, Aaron, um, how are you guys looking? And and I guess you know. What can fans look forward to from that position here in 2021? Yeah, you know, I think we're certainly on our way. You know, we got a new coach this offseason. We were able to work with him through spring ball. Um, I thought the O-line progressed a lot up front over the spring, and I think we are carrying that progression through into camp here. Um, So I'm really excited for the direction that we're headed. Uh, We're certainly not where we want to be yet, um, but we're definitely in the right direction. All right, so for you personally, uh, you arrived here in 2016. You, you redshirted that first season. Um, and then, you, you know, you played your four years, but you got the, the year back from the NCAA because, uh, you know, of last year and COVID and all that. Uh, and you had the opportunity to come back for a sixth year if you wanted to. What went into that decision for you, Aaron, and, and some of the other guys, right? I mean, we've seen, what, a half dozen uh, sixth-year players come back. What went into that decision for you guys to come back and give this one last go-round? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had a lot of discussions with my family, with my friends. Um, but for me, it really came down to three things. Um, I mean, there, there was certainly a lot of instability with all the COVID stuff. You know, if there was going to be a combine, if there was going to be um, different games and stuff like that. So that definitely played a role. Um, 
being able to come back and finish out my master's on scholarship, that was definitely a huge driving factor to want to come back. But I think one of the biggest things um, was the seniors really felt, man, we didn't want to leave here uh, with the season that we had last season. Uh, that's just that's not the way that we want our, our Syracuse legacy to go. Um, so, so a lot of those guys wanted to come back and, and really, really change uh, some things that happened from last year. You guys have a new position coach, uh, Mike Schmidt, coming in and, and, uh, and coaching the offensive line. What can you tell us about him and his coaching style, and, and how are things going with Mike Schmidt so far? Things are going good with Coach Schmidt. He's, he's definitely an intense dude. Um, he's, a, he's a real technician. Um, that's, that's definitely the biggest thing that he pushes with us is just technique, 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 and, and that's really all it is up front. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's helping our line certainly progress, and I'm excited to see where we can keep going. Aaron Service joining us here on Orange Nation. And, uh, you know, Aaron, I, I mentioned that everybody's pointing to the offensive line that, you know, if, if that group's good this year, you know, this, this team could make a comeback. The other position that everybody points to, of course, is the quarterback. And I don't expect you to, to tell us who the starting quarterback is going to be, even if you know at this point. But what can you tell us about these two guys? You know, Tommy DeVito, Garrett Schrader, how have they looked in practice? And, you know, Garrett being the, the new guy, uh, what's it been like to, to work with him? And, and, and how's he been doing? Yeah, they're both really talented dudes. Um, it's definitely fun to see them compete, see them throw the ball around. Um, I'm, I'm actually roommates with Garrett, so I've gotten to know him really well. Um, but I, I think those guys are really, really talented. But, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't really matter who's back there. You know, I can't keep them standing. So uh, we definitely got to do our job up front and let those guys shine. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of sounds like an obvious question, but just to follow up, I mean, as a, as an offensive line, do you you guys feel comfortable with which with ever whichever guys back there? Yeah, I mean, we have to feel uncomfortable. Our job doesn't change up front, um, you know, depending on who's back there. Um, we got to do our job every single play. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're definitely comfortable with whoever's back there because we gotta we gotta do our job no matter what. You know, you, you look at this this offense, Aaron, and outside of, you know, the quarterback, we don't really know who it's going to be necessarily yet, but you look at the skill position players and Taj Harris coming back and Sean Tucker and you got Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard back after they opted out. And it, it seems like you have a, a lot of weapons on that side of the ball. Uh, are, are you excited about, about that group and do you feel like this could truly be a bounce-back year for the Q's offense? I mean, how can you not be excited about that group? I think they, they, they showed some flashes of it for sure last year. I think, um, I think we, need, we all need to be more consistent. Um, it's definitely good to have those weapons. And, and like I said earlier, if we can keep that QB standing upright, we can utilize those weapons. So it's definitely exciting to see those guys fly around the field. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what they can do this season. I, I don't need to tell you, Aaron. I mean, you've been here six years. Um, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs over the course of several years. And, and SU fans are frustrated. What What is your message to the SU fan base, those fans that are frustrated and want to see this team start winning games? I know you want to win games more than anybody. What, what would be your message to the SU fans uh, as you head into the 2021 season? I'm going to keep it simple. Have faith. Have faith that we're, that we're putting in the work and that we're doing what we need to do to, to perform on Saturdays. Have faith. All right, Aaron. Uh, listen, thanks so much for coming on. I uh, appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time right after uh, a busy day of practice. Best of luck as you get ready for the season ahead, and, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you very much. Have a good one. All right, you as well. There he is, uh, sixth-year offensive lineman, uh, Aaron Service. And with that, uh, we will take our first time out. Phone lines now open the rest of the way, 315 437 7644. If you want to react to anything you heard from Dalen Cuff, if you want to react to anything you heard from Aaron Service, if you want to talk some Q's football, you can do so next. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. 
Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. I got to turn your mic Yeah, on. that helps. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Polly Sibilia with you up until 2 o'clock. What's wrong, Polly? Nothing. You are accusing me of calling you smug. You did. I never once called you smug. All right. Ever, ever, ever called you smug. I said you had a stupid smirk on your face at one point. So for Maybe the, I said a smug look. It, you have a smug you look You used the word face. smug at some point over the course of the last couple of weeks. And whenever, our, uh, our loyal viewers on QSportsTalk.com, I think, can vouch for me. If somebody could step to my defense I here. never called you smug personally. You talked about it, it during a commercial, so it didn't go over the radio airwaves. No, but, I said, but it went over the Twitch airwaves. What happened airwaves. is, whenever I get in an argument with a, a caller, listener, right, yeah. you sit there with a smug look on your face or a smirk on your face. Okay. You did use the word and smug. You don't. And it, you don't. It hurt me deeply. You don't intervene. You just sit there and enjoy it, and then you say, "Oh, you were doing a great job. I didn't want to interfere yeah. in the fight." And they were the the example that you're using. The caller was specifically referencing you. They said Pauly, and they referenced you, and you guys had a conversation. Stayed out of it. You handled yourself just fine. All right, and you had a smug look on your face. <laughs> All right, I promised at the top of the show that we were going to play back some comments uh, from Felicia Leggett-Jack, who was was interviewed yesterday. So, uh, again, the the big news yesterday that that her jersey will be retired during this next academic year. She's one of three female athletes, the first female athletes to be honored in that way by the university. She took a a quick break from her vacation. She's she's, uh, down in Jamaica um, and she did a, a TV interview via Zoom uh, with us at 4.30, and then I know she spoke with Brent Axe at 5 o'clock. So uh, these are a few of, of her comments made uh, during, the, during the Zoom interview uh, that we did with her yesterday, and she did with the local media. Uh, let's start with, uh, I guess, her time at Syracuse playing under Barbara Jacobs, the, the longtime head coach. Uh, and and how that kind of impacted her career and impacted her life. Barbara Jacobs, she 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 had had, had a lot of hats she had to wear um, when she was a, my head coach uh, at Syracuse, and and she was very strict and very very orderly. And the foundation she laid was wasn't about really winning games; it was about winning in life. And you know, you had to be warmed up for the warm up. <laughs> you had to have your shirt tucked in at three thirty, not three thirty one. I mean, she was very. Uh, and we just thought she was over the top, you know, with her discipline and her her ability to just try to get us to, to understand the ability to be disciplined. And and I carry that with me, uh, you know, at 54 years old. I just think that, you know, the more discipline you are, the more focus you have about, you know, doing it the right way, it, it, it extends the, the possibility of greatness. And so I think that that she she's the, was the foundation. She recruited me since I was in the seventh grade. She saw something in me as early as that, and and she she followed me through. But she never ever saw something great that I did to make that bigger than her coachability to help me with this game called life. And uh, for that, I would I would cherish that and, and honor that as I continue to coach young people. You know, she talked a lot yesterday, Paulie, about the life lessons that she wants to teach players and making them better people and less about basketball. It, she she was very impressive. Um, and so that, that gives you a little bit of insight into her 
coaching style. She mentioned Barbara Jacobs, uh, you know, wore many hats. Um, and that's one of the things she referred to yesterday about the, and she talked about that as a coach, you, you take on many roles for the, for the young women and, and, and men um, that, that are in your particular program. Coming to an institution where my guidance counselor told me that it wasn't a good choice for me because, uh, you know, my mom's status of being a single mom and raising five children. And I could possibly feel so disenfranchised by the situation that I ultimately possibly would quit. And to see, I endured that and continued on and graduated. And, and not only did I graduate, they say that it was, I'm worthy enough to be uh, raised into a level of, of a prominence. I think it's going to give other people that look like me a lot more hope that they can become, even despite what people may think of them, even despite the fear that they may have. If you keep going, stranger things can happen. They can possibly see you at Syracuse Housing Authority one day and then the next day, Raise your numbers in the rafter. Only I, this crazy lady named Thalia Leggett, my mom, had that a vision, and here we are today. Again, she she talked about her success story and where she came from, and um, you know, growing up with a with a single mom and growing up really poor uh, in the city of Syracuse and going to Nottingham, and you know, she obviously succeeded. Uh, greatly at Nottingham, Paulie, won two state titles and then went to Syracuse and became the all-time leading scorer. And, um, you know, she's since been passed in that category. But, I mean, just every step along the way, people telling her, you can't do this because, you can't do this because. And she was like, okay, uh, watch me. I'll, right. I'll show you. Um, and, uh, and you know, here she is, uh, you know, coach of a, of a Division One institution. She coached at Indiana. She's coaching at Buffalo now. Um, and, uh, and she may very well uh, be the coach at her, at her alma mater one day. Yeah, we will uh, soon find that out, Steve. I, I am impressed so far. You, yeah. you haven't un, you haven't oversold it to me. Um, how about uh, the the Jersey retirement? Um, that's coming up at some point during this academic year, and and she was obviously asked about that yesterday. What it means to her to have her jersey retired and, and to be honored and recognized in that manner. It's an honor to, to represent Syracuse uh, University. First, it's an honor to represent Syracuse. I I was that 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 young kid who looked up the hill that the hope that one day that I get an opportunity to go up that hill. You know, my brothers they certainly wanted to play at Syracuse University and never got that opportunity, and. Uh, you know, I just said that maybe one day, if if I can learn how to play the game at a high level, that they they would choose me and I would be able to represent the Leggett family up that hill and to be able to go there and and to graduate with two degrees and to 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 play the game at a high level and to be honored to, to win the Big East championships and things of that nature and play with the teammates that I had. That was the thrill of it all. That was really what the optimum moments were for me. There was no more need for me to to receive anything else. But then. You know, they say that, you know, I'm worthy enough to have my number retired. As it rises up, it will represent the city of Syracuse, uh, the Syracuse Housing Authority will represent, you know, my Leggett family, my Jack family. It also will represent the, the student athletes that, that came and played with me. And uh, it really helped me become and also the ones that that, that came after us. She's proud of where she came from, and right. uh, you know this this area, this town, this city, uh, the people here have helped mold her into the person that she is today, and she hasn't forgotten that. And I I, I liked her answer a lot that that it's it's about more than just her and her family. This is a reflection. This is a celebration of this city and all the people that that had a hand in in making her successful and giving credit to her teammates. Like I, yeah. I'm not here without my teammates, my coaches. All good, Steve. 
Uh, let's. Uh, I tell you what. Let's get one more in. Let's let's go to the one where she talked about the the interest. She was asked about her interest in the SU job. Um, I don't know what is labeled in your system there, uh, Paulie, but uh, you got it. Okay, so she uh, she of course was was asked about um, you know the potential opportunity here, and you know she out on the record right when Q left and said that she was interested. And, um, and so it came up again yesterday, and, and here's how she handled it. Right now, my interest is at University at Buffalo, and we, we have to make certain that my young people don't get misplaced uh, in, in all this uh, uncertainty over at Syracuse University. What I will say to you is that it hurts my heart to see that uh, my alma mater and my women's basketball program going through the hardship uh, that they're going through. And I certainly uh, raised my hand to say if I could help, I would. And uh, I think that uh, Mr. Wildhack has made a decision, and we think we—I think we all should get behind the decision that he made. And I think that we all need to begin the healing process for the young people that's still at that program, because those young people deserve that opportunity. And and, and she kind of went on and on from there, um, but but saying the same things that it, it's. Um, she talked a lot yesterday about how it's it's. She's not in this business. For the reason that a lot of others are in this business, which is you know wins and losses and and you know postseason success and trophies and banners and you know she's in this first and foremost to impact young people's lives and she kept coming back to um, and she didn't back down from it by the way she went on during that comment she went on to say a lot of people said I shouldn't have of mentioned my entrance right and she said she basically said I don't regret doing that. Because I'm genuinely concerned about the players. That, that, that's my program. That's that's yeah. my own. I'm concerned about what they're going through, and I, I want to raise my hand and say, you know what? I, I will help if you want my help. And she didn't back down from that. So she said, my focus is on Buffalo. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to give everything I can to these players, and that is my job, and that is my focus right now. But my hand is still raised, and you know, again, I'm paraphrasing here, but if if they need my help or want my help. I would I would love to help out my alma mater because that's that's what that school means to me. So I I thought she handled it perfectly because w- would we prefer that privately she was telling oh I, I really want that job I really want that job no, she she publicly was just honest and said listen I, you know that I have a special place in my heart for that place I want to I want to help if I can if they want me I'm here right I was looking at it from a Buffalo perspective from from the players like. She acknowledged it there. Like, I need to be focused on my players sure. right now. Because if you don't get the job, it comes across like you don't want to be here. Right. So, And I and I, and I I get that. Uh, but I think being honest, I think having some transparency that to you answer, is, a, is an important thing. That answer would have been better than what we saw when it initially came up. Like, that was a, that was a great answer. I'm, I'm doing this because I want to help my alma mater and I want to fix what's been broken there. Right. And so I'm raising my hand, but I'm I'm concentrated on this right now. And wouldn't we prefer the, that over a football coach who everybody knows he's looking at that that you know that lucrative job, and he keeps saying, "Oh, I'm not interested. I'm not interested," and then you know informs his team via text message that I just want to let you know I took the job. Yeah, right. you know, I, mean, was, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. What, what were no, you going to no, say? That, no, you're right. That, that I wasn't. You didn't interrupt. I I had said my piece. All right. Uh, so let's let's take a quick phone call here three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. We've got Daryl in Rome uh, up next on the show. Hey, Daryl. Afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, good, good, sir. How are you? Good. Uh, quick question here about uh, yeah. SU football and a little prediction. I think they're going to be seven and five this year. Wow. Whoa. Okay. I like anything it. any anything less than seven and five is a disgrace for me, Bob. Okay. That's just me. 
if you can't beat Ohio and New Rutgers and some of these guys, then then I don't know what I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, but, but they should be able to beat those guys by thirty points. Well, you're at on, least you're on the same page with Paulie, at least with well, the Ohio they, game. They should be. Oh, they they're they're yeah. not. Is the said. Right. I mean, they should be able to. Yes. I mean, they, you, nobody can tell me that that, that Rutgers and uh, Albany and all these some of these other teams have the talent of Syracuse. And I, I don't believe that. But uh, with Syracuse University, you think Syracuse? I'm not calling for anybody to lose their job. But if you you think Syracuse University would ever hire a big name coach like a Jim Harbaugh or somebody to come down here? They just don't have the funding. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, Paulie mentions the funding, and I think we have to be honest, uh, Daryl, and we appreciate checking in. I think we have to be honest with where this program is right now, and we've discussed this when it comes to basketball. We've discussed it with lacrosse, and the answer is different when it comes to football. Lacrosse, it's a destination school. Like, this is a destination for Gary Gay. This would be This would be a destination for someone to come here and be the head coach of SU Men's Lacrosse. Basketball, same thing. Jim Beheim has made it a destination program. It is a place you come and you stay, and you know you're not looking for the next bigger and better thing. Syracuse football is not a destination program. You don't come to Syracuse to stay here for 20 years and to finish your career here. You come here to get the next big job. You come here as to use it as a stepping stone. And we saw even one of their own, Doug Marone, do that to come here. And maybe that wasn't his plan when he arrived, but that's ultimately what happened. I, I don't agree with this stepping stone thing necessarily do you why did people freak out when syracuse won 10 games people were freaking out yeah why but if you win 10 games if you can win at syracuse 10 games why leave you, you you're you're in a power fight you're in the acc you're gonna go because to a, it's a very difficult place to recruit but if you can do it consistently right and but they, they haven't but again we and we were talking about this last night to some degree about you know also they, they don't win enough games the fan base is upset but they win too many games and the fan base is upset right. because as soon as Dino won ten games it was oh my god he's going to leave but oh the my university god, did leave. the right thing and locked him no, up I understand but what why did everybody freak out because like they're. They are not an SEC school. They are not a well, Big no, Ten school. On the outside looking in, they are not Clemson. They are not Florida on State. On the outside looking in, right now in the state of Syracuse pro- football, is oh my god, that guy won ten games with that school, right? And you even just said it a moment ago. You said, "Can they?" And I don't know if it was a moment ago. I'm, I, all the shows run together. It came up on this show where you you said, "You know, can they get back to winning consistently?" And that is a big question. So you said, "If they can do it, yeah, of course. If you can do it, you would you would stay and and try to you know like I think build if Dino Babers gets going, which I think he will after this year. Like I think this year is the start." I don't think he's going anywhere. You really don't. No. You really don't think he would go to a bigger not, program where he could he could win and, the, and make a lot more money. Uh, the money thing is isn't an he issue. Like, isn't he like the fiftieth highest paid coach? The, the money thing's an, an issue, but like if you build a winner here, you're like right now. If you build a winner, the statue will be built for you. If you have. Three consecutive winning seasons in football. You know like, what? If you may, if you double or triple your salary, you can build your own statue yeah. in your backyard yeah, if you want. Right? You know what I mean? I to me that's that that's what it comes down to because you say also, if Steve, they can win here, are, are we ever going to see the '90s here ever again? The, Steve, the way want, that they won in the '90s. I don't know. I also will tell you this: if the football program wins, 
the amount of money they can pay their head coach will go up. That's fair. A that, large amount also. That goes, you know, that goes back to the chicken or the egg argument, yeah. though. What's what's going to come first? You know, um, it is. It's hard to win here on a consistent basis. I, I really think that. I think it, yeah. it's it's been twenty years. Coach, coach Babers, we were discussing this in our uh, insane chat yesterday with Salmoni. You have to be hokey. Like you have to do. You have to be different at Syracuse. You gotta, you know, the, as much as people hate to say hear this, Coach P and Coach Mack recruited the fastest guys and the best athletes they could get, and made them into great football players for their system. Right, and won a lot of games. Yep, playing a system that nobody else. So when it was, you're, you you prep for other schools, you can say it's just like when we played this team. But when you were prepping for Syracuse, it was a completely was different, different yeah. game plan that you had to prep for. Different for that style, game. and yeah. and obviously they had athletes, as you said. Yeah. You, need, you know, you need athletes to win. Um, I don't know. I I think. We we certainly disagree on this. If if Dino gets it going here, and again I can't speak for him, but also if Dino gets it going, do you not say good luck and God bless? Thank yes, you. Yes, of course now, you do. And now you go on to the next guy. But and- I, I was answering Daryl's question because he you know he says could you ever get a big name? And I think there are. And we just touched on two reasons, but I think they're the biggest two reasons. Number one is money. Number two is that Jim Harbaugh. Why would he come here? No, there's you're not getting Jim because, Harbaugh. But it, again, it's not that, a. Des- that, was a that, not, that was a terrible okay, example. Bad example, but it's not a. This isn't a destination. No, but I do think we brought up a name like we we're saying North Carolina is in the in the top ten. If there's a guy like a Mac Brown out there, yeah, they could get him on the backside of his career and get you a couple. Well, they got wins. a Mac Brown because he spent time at North Carolina. I know, but there, you know what I'm saying. You could get a guy like that, but you're not getting Saban, Harbaugh, you know, anybody like that. And why not? Because it's not a destination, and you don't have the money. Well, that you're too. not beating what they're making in money right now. Those are the two big things. Um, all right, let's get one more phone call in, in this segment. Uh, I believe it's Patty in Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Patty. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm calling because I really and truly do not believe that the athletic director at SU truly understands what happened in the women's basketball program. And they, the person who should have been hired is Felicia. There is no doubt in my mind or many of my friends' mind, we are extremely disappointed in the attitude that Syracuse has shown by just promoting the person who was the assistant coach. We know nothing about his record, and you've already lost two humongous recruits who were coming out of Canada, and my prediction is you're going to probably lose some more recruits in the next year simply because women are going to be looking at the SU program and going, they don't they don't care. They allowed this to go on for 15 years, and they never saw it. So, so this is my take on it, Patty. Stay on the line with us here. So I, what I think is going to happen, and this is just my gut feeling, I think they named Von Reed for this year and this year only to try and keep the players that are in the program here, to give them some continuity because of the fact that Coach Q stepped down so late in the game. And my my feeling is that Von Reed is a one year thing, and that they're going to hire someone. I strongly believe it should be Felicia as well. By the way, um, and I think Felicia Leggett Jack is going to be the head coach next year. Would you be okay with that, 
or are you upset that you've got to wait a year for that to take place? No, if, if it happens that way, and Steve, that is exactly what I have said to several people is hopefully this is just a one-year situation. My concern is, is the people who go out and do the recruiting, for example, of the girls who are playing now, and we're possibly looking at Syracuse, are they going to be intelligent enough to look at it the way you and I just looked at it and see that, I mean, is SU going to make a guarantee to the people they're recruiting that Felicia is going to be the next coach? Because I really and truly think that there's got to be a change in there. Yeah, it's a good point, and it, it, that is a, a major question. That goes back to what Paulie was saying. And, Patty, thank you for checking in. I, I appreciate uh, a woman's perspective on this, so thank you for calling us. Um, it, that goes back to what you were saying, Paulie, that if you've identified Felicia Leggett-Jack as the person to lead this program, then why not do it for some of the reasons that Patty's talking about that you know, then you can start building for the future and saying she's going to be the next head coach. If you come here, you're going to be playing for her, opposed to a year of – I don't want to say lame duck. I don't know if that's right the right term, but this there's this transition year of what's happening, who's going to be the coach, what's the future look like? Yeah, I don't know what the right answer is. And in one of I, I was trying to remember what bite it was, but Felicia Leggett said, let's back the decision that the athletic director has made. And I'm guessing if she's in the running, she knows what's going on. Yeah. And there may be a reason they're doing this for the investigation purposes too could be you know so who knows and but i i do think if she's if she's the one you got to pull the trigger and do it now but what do i know and there's no saying that they've guaranteed von, von reed a year they've named him the coach for the year it's an interim job he could they could say they could decide closer to the start of the year I you know what? This is a bad decision. If the what if the investigation finds something? Well, right. You know that would force their hand. Yeah. No doubt. So yeah. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, good call, Patty. Um, and and so stay tuned on this. It's it's certainly a story that's that's uh, that's not going away. All right. And uh, Steve, we we went from ahead to behind. Okay. So we've got Foo Fighter tickets to give away. All right. So let's do that next. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Polly promises a very easy question for Foo Fighter tickets. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.